So, there I was, knee-deep in hand grenade pins and brass. That's how every good military story starts. <laughs> Come on. So there I was. So there I was. <laughs> now, everybody is going to see this, and they're going to be like, wow, all right, that makes sense. But what is going to be different about this show, right? What's going to be different about the way Rudd and Lex get on the mic together? And so before I get into that, first, I, I want to say to everybody, thank you so much. I really appreciate the the outpouring of love that I've been experiencing from all of you has just been remarkable. And the support for me coming back and getting on, on the mic again has been incredible. And I just thank you. God bless you. I love you all very much. All right. First thing I think I, I needs to happen is I got a I got a reference because the last time we did a show has been a long time, man. Yeah, it's been a few years. It's man. been a few years. It was fifteen, and we're both a lot grayer. And thank God, I'm a little bit skinnier. Bro, you look good, dude. <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's it's all that on it, man. I'm just feeling like ripped. <laughs> I got to talk to Aubrey, man. Like he's got it, <laughs> he, it dude. It, I, I mean, I've actually dropped away because of it too, man. That's crazy, man. Um, but. I think when everybody wants to, I mean, I always think when I see people and their friendships, right, I always want to know how they met and what was it about it that they met and what brought them together. And so, you know, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that first night we were together. And it was at Jason Redmond at That's his right. book signing because Jay had actually gone to Boca High for a little bit and lived in Boca and was down here and it was at the Irish bar over. Yeah, in, no, I remember, right? man. I remember. And you were there and I kind of saw you and I knew you were different. And then finally we sat down at the end, man. And we sat down next to each other outside, and you know Jason was exhausted from all what he had been doing, and yep. you and I just started chatting. And I remember the the sincerity with which you brought every facet of how you converse. Right, you're. I mean, most people see the great white buffalo. By the way, great white buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> most people see you, and you're you're this ominous figure. You're not ominous, but you're you're large guy. Yeah, I'm not small. You're not small, man. <laughs> you're not teeny, right? In, in not any petite. you're not petite, bro. And and but yet the sincerity with which you deliver your thoughts and how calculated you are knocked me on my ass, bro. And I was like, my God, here's a person that I really have just in that context alone, this deep respect. And then you couple that with the fact that your breadth of experience as a human being, your understanding of the human condition is profound. And for me, it you're, you know, from that moment on into the, you know, your, your incredible grace and your incredible, um, you know, taking that risk on me working with Stefan and, and just our friendship and how it's cultivated. It's really become one of the most powerful things I've had, I have in my life. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right, it's at, at the end of the day, it's, it's just truth, right? Yes. We're able to speak truth to one another. And, you know, I tell my wife all the time, you know, the toughest thing any human being can do is to be honest with themselves. And once you can be honest with yourself and you're comfortable with that process, you begin to recognize it in other people, you know. And, and I think that's one of the things I appreciated about you was, you know, your exploration of the human condition. And, you know, through all the trials and tribulations of life, you, you've always come back to that 
how am I honest with myself? Amen. Because once you do that, your capacity to love, to to care for others, to have compassion, all of those things that make us human is greatly increased. But if you're not sincere and, and, and honest with yourself, then you can't do any of those other things. At all. You know? And, and so I think that's one of the things that attracted us to one another in terms of, you know, working together you know, initially professionally and then just becoming good friends. We obviously had a, a commonality in military service and, mm -hmm. and, and a profound respect for the sacrifices that, that our brothers and sisters make. But that was just the springboard, you yeah. know. Then it was, you know, two dudes getting to know one another and really respecting what it was all about, you know. And, and I think over the, the years we've taught each other a tremendous amount. And it's the pendulum swung. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. It goes back and forth day in and day out. And, and – you know, that is, there's reciprocity in every relationship. And if they're not, then you shouldn't be in that relationship. You know, you, there should be an outpouring of, of giving without expectation. And there should also be the ability, you know, to receive. I think that's what people struggle with too sometimes. Oh is, my God, is yeah. how do I just receive information? How do I receive love, right? You and I have talked about this idea of love a lot and how powerful it is and how it's, it, it, you know, going back to truth, it's, Love is kind of one of the ultimate troops, right? It is the ultimate. You know, truth. so if you can increase your capacity to do that and, and love genuinely, then you're just in a different plane, man. You know, and I think that's what has allowed us to have such a great friendship um, and explore this thing together. You know, I mean, we deal with life day in and day out, but we, we genuinely, I think, go through this process together. A hundred percent. And it is that collective sharing of life, right? That collective sharing of our joys through our children and family, through our successes professionally, but also through our pains as well. Yeah. I mean, how many rucks have we done on the beaches? Yeah. Man, I remember vividly in the midst of my divorce and you, you, you literally with every step I took in that sand and the weight of the pack got deeper and heavier, your, the clarity of the love that you were giving me and the clarity of the advice you gave me just got, it made everything lighter. Well, listen, I mean, what's our background, right? Pain therapy is ingrained in what we do and right. who we are. And it, that's a great part of, of, of who we are. You know, we, we've learned so many powerful lessons that way. Um, but, again, that's, that's love is to be part of one of those experiences and to go through it. Man, I mean, you know, you've been there for me, you know, the up and downs business-wise. And there's been, you know, profound highs and, and the ultimate lows and just, you know, We've, we've kind of worked through it together, man. And, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to continue to do that kind of stuff with you. And, and uh, I always come back to you. I've viewed you as a mentor for, you know, wow. the, you know, since honestly, since the very beginning, you know, I saw what you were doing with, with uh, Stefan and I loved it. I wish he would have been more receptive to yeah, it. You yeah. You know I mean? Because I think he missed out, but I always sit down, I sat down and listened to every lesson you gave for him. And I was like, all right, well, I love him. If he's not going to take this this lesson for himself, I'm at least taking it because <laughs> I want to I, I want to grow and I want to learn. And um, you know, you were giving out great knowledge, man. Yeah, it, it's funny that, and I and I want to just just back up for just a second for everybody that's listening. You know, Lex is, has this incredible, incredible journey he's been on, and it's really profound. I mean, you know, the fact that you know. Your mom had you when she was 14, right? Yeah. And how you grew up with her and the struggles there. Joining, you know, the football, you know, in 
in, in, in L.A. County and in the opportunities that were presented to you, but the dramatic shift into the Marine Corps, your experience there, your experience in Somalia, losing your friends and you know, being adopted by Ed McMahon and the growth, going to law school and getting your MBA at the same time at UCLA, working at Pepperdine. Having, Pepperdine. Pe- oh, sorry, sorry, Pepperdine. Let's I always, get it right. I, I, I apologize. Down Pepperdine. by the beach, buddy. Down, Down by, by the, the beach. beach, which is remarkable in and of itself because I wouldn't have been able to go to class whatsoever. <laughs> and 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 then taking this and and developing it into where you're at now as as essentially running Titan FC, uh, which is one of the primary, you know. Uh, feeder systems to the UFC and in, in all of MMA, it's one of the most successful on on Fight Pass. It's it, you know you have this. You're in one of the greatest growth areas for MMA in all of the country. And South now, one of the, one of the greatest growth areas in all of sports. Yes, you know, and that's what's you know coming from my background in venture capital, you know, amongst many other things, right? You know, yeah. but the venture capital uh, lens is what I, I view my business opportunities through. And, you know, I looked, I, I transitioned from, from venture capital to MMA, and that's kind of a non sequitur, right? Yeah. But it made sense because if you looked at how fast things were growing, when I came into this sport first as a um, someone doing endorsement deals and then a manager, you know, almost 12 years ago, man, there was literally bales bonding, um, <laughs> strippers, moms, dads, <laughs> girlfriends, boyfriends, some random dude down on the street that were acting as, as agent rep or as representatives for athletes. And, you know, to see how it's progressed and, you know, to see now that, you know, the UFC was acquired for $4.2 billion off of a $2 million investment. initial investment, you know, and now that company is valued at it, depending on um, where you look, it's valued at between seven and $10 billion wow. just a few years later, Wow! you know, and, and then you've got companies like, uh, Bellator that's owned by one FC and, and, uh, or I'm sorry, Bellator that's owned by Viacom. Then you've got one FC over in Asia that has a significant Chinese investment behind it. Um, you know, the sport continues to grow. And so to be associated with what I believe is the 800 pound gorilla, which is Dana White and yeah. the UFC, uh, Ari Emanuel and, and IMG, listen, I, I wouldn't want to be anyplace else. And, uh, and what's amazing too, and I want to get into this a little later on. And when we talk about purpose, is the fact that you're out there, you know, you're bringing MMA to the world essentially now. You have you've shifted this really remarkable pivot, which is I really want to get into uh, from a business perspective later. But now, you know, you you were in what you were in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan you, last December. You're you're going down to the Dominican Republic. You there there's uh, there's an opportunity in Azerbaijan. I mean Paraguay. Par- I mean December. Yeah. You literally on are on the tip of the spear for you know bringing this beautiful art form really, and it it's essentially the 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 most the earliest form of competition that humanity has ever known. Well, right? even even more than that, right? It's a cultural expression. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, every culture, every single culture has some form of martial art. Wow. Whether it's it, it's a very kind of I don't want to say esoteric, but a very um center focused, you know, tai chi type, yeah, you know, man. that's non-aggressive, non, you know, combative. Or you know you depending get to, on how you look at it because it's combat it's combat with your stress it's combat right. in your mind that's right? true that's true um, you know to the you know the traditional forms you know Muay Thai the the kickboxing 
jujitsu, all of those things. But every culture has something. Yeah. So when you go to a different place and throughout the world, like I go all over the world and I train everywhere I go, That's man. That's so cool. And, and and one of the things I love about it again is it's 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 a way to get to know the culture and the people of that area. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It was funny that you bring that up and it, you know, when I my first trip with uh, I didn't really get into it in 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 the SEAL teams, but my first trip with Blackwater, I was with this really awesome guy, Joe and and we went through training together and we're in Azerbaijan and he's big you know he's probably I think he was a blue belt at the time or something like that and he's like get your stuff we're going to train and we literally like pulled our driver over at the National Center for Martial Arts right. he walks in and says we want to train yeah we're good we train and they're like whoa 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 and they make him go against like the the young champion he destroys him they make him go against another champ he destroys him and then like the third day they bring like the national champion like the, this the real guy this beast <laughs> yeah. right and 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 I and Choch was like Rut get in there and the, literally the dude did like a suplex on me I'm like <laughs> yep he's good man and and I watched them go at it but it was you know from then on I did a similar thing everywhere I'd go you you engage in this cultural dialogue of of the body yeah right what's well, a great thing like you go to all these different places and, and you know mixed martial arts is truly a global sport right yeah so you go all over the world and a lot of times you don't speak the language right so you have this language barrier that makes it very challenging but guess what you step onto the match you step into the ring the cage whatever it may be and there becomes this commonality and as you're you know you're working right you're, you're putting in the work to to train the smiles come, yeah. You know the the various emotions, but you communicate through those those emotions. And somebody who can't speak, you know, listen, Kazakh is not an easy language <laughs> at all to learn. <laughs> I had more fun in Kazakhstan training with some of the the fighters and coaches there because they were so genuine and 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 their their willingness to train with me. Um, and you know they they viewed me as. You know, here's a guy who's essentially like a representative of the UFC. So they were yeah. really excited for me to be there. But, man, I was just as excited to be training with them, yeah. you know? I mean, I train with young kids. I train with, you know, their their head Muay Thai coach who, you know, had this very dour expression. This, you know, kind of looked like Genghis Khan, to be honest. <laughs> and, and, like, I feared for my life every time I got in the cage with him. Yeah. But we had a blast, man. Yeah. And, like, you know, again, he had that dour expression. And you think he wouldn't smile. And then all of a sudden he'd crack a smile. And he's like, good, good. You know, and it was awesome. And I think that's one of the beauties of, of mixed martial arts. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I think it's a good place to pivot into, you know, the, this what I imagine is the first thing that I think people really want to understand. Because they taught when you when you express these stories, there's a it, they're all really rooted in in that that positive intention to experience life. Right. Right. You are not a person that anything I've ever seen does not immerse yourself into the experience, right? And you you think critically about it, but yet you are spontaneous about the excitement of it, whether you're out on the hunting trips with a hero or, you know, you're traveling or you're just being a great dad on Sunday pancake day, right? Pancake Sunday, Pancake man. Sundays, right? And you're invested. And one of the things that I think a lot of people – that I talk to all the time is they they're we're kind of born with this fear, 
right? I mean, it's wi- we're wired for fear. Yeah, fear's a na- it's a natural defense mechanism, right? Exactly. So tell us a little bit about your first inclinations of fear and where you started learning how to manage that or learning mm-hmm. how to embrace it in a way where it was this, you were laying the groundwork for this spark of adventure that was sure. going to be your life. You know, I mean, some of it's born out of necessity, right? Like we touched on it earlier. You know, my mom was 14 when she had me. Um, we essentially grew up together, right? And, um, you know, my the, the real story between, you know, of my biological father is I don't even know the full story. You know, we know that, that he was a drug dealer and my mom had to run away from him. He's either in jail or dead. I frankly never cared to ask, you know, to be honest. Like I, I really, my mom told me multiple stories and I, and I said, you know what, man, it, it's not going to define who I am. All I know is this dude's not in my life. And, but she is, because, you know, my mom and I talked about this recently. You know, it could have been very easy for her to give me up at 14 years old by herself in the world with this baby, you know. But she didn't. She fought. And I think going through her experiences taught me a lot about dealing with my own fears, right? Like, I mean, you know, as I grew up, I had a lot of insecurities because of the situation I was in. Um, and I think fear is very common for an adolescent, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on it before. Here I am, you know, my mom was, you know, doing her best to give me the best opportunity. So she puts me in school in Beverly Hills. I have, we were so poor. It was amazing how poor we were. <laughs> how poor were you? <laughs> Dirt was richer than we were. Like, we were broke. <laughs> But she did everything she could to put me in an environment that would set me up for future success. And, you know, but going through that experience, I was fortunate. I, I met some good friends through football. But, man, like you see kids driving to school in Ferraris and Porsches. And, you know, that's not real, no. first of all. But, you know, from my perspective, I was like, holy cow. So, I mean, I had to figure out, especially at that age, who I was going to be as a person. And that took me kind of to the seminal moment, which was when I joined the military. Yeah. Um, because. Did, wait, wait, but why didn't why didn't football define you? Why didn't football become the essence of your ability to escape or pronounce yourself in this higher manner? Because you got offers. I remember we talked because about it's. That. So looking back at it retrospectively, yeah. I, I think because it's team oriented, uh-huh. and you have to go through your own crucible. You have to go through your own personal crucible to be able to come out the other end a bigger, better person, right? Right. Um, You have to be broken down to kind of the bare minimum and then you build yourself back up. And football, there was always my teammates and my coaches there to catch me. Yeah. You know, and, you know. It's kind of built into the system itself of sport, right? It is. Yeah, there's 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 a nurturing even though maybe when we played back in the day, it was a little bit more harsh, right? right, you right. Know? But there's still a sense of nurturing, especially if you perform, right? Right. Yeah. You know, but for me, the military was because it was something that went against the grain of what my family wanted me to do. Yeah. Um, it was something that I was I was venturing out on my own to do. Was it an individual, a person, a moment, a place, a movie? What was the influence for you? Honestly, it was. I, I knew I needed to get my life together. I didn't know how. Um, I knew I needed a challenge, and I realized I probably needed the most significant challenge I could get my hands on. Right. To, you know, because I was a bit rudderless, you know. Um, 
so I, in order to, to, to kind of find center and get grounded, I knew I needed a, a real challenge. And you, you weren't wild though. I mean, you no, weren't, no, you weren't no, out no. of here. I was out of my gourd. Right? Really? Like full tilt. Wouldn't come home for weeks at a time. Wow. Yeah. I wow. was, I was totally out of control. The only thing that kept me in somewhat of check was football and my friends. Right. You know, I, I, I knew there was a minimal threshold I had to maintain. In a loyalty to, to them. Yeah. Um, was that driven out of not wanting to be alone and the fear of that or that to be a part of something because you were probably yeah. I mean, I really was alone in a lot of respects otherwise, yeah. you know, um, but when I, I went to the, you know, it was just the Gulf War was starting and I was like, you know what, this is that moment. There's this generational moment that's going to occur. This is, you know, the perfect thing for me because I know I need this challenge. And, you know, I mean, listen. Had I walked in front of a Navy SEAL recruiter, I would have been a SEAL. <laughs> I walked in front of a Marine recruiter, and guess what? He looked really good in his dress blues. Dude, they, I, there's no doubt in my mind. And he did the best thing possible. I said, listen, I'm going to be the easiest SEAL you're ever going to have. Sign me up. I, I said, give me the test. I guarantee you I'm going to do well on it. He goes, okay. So did, you, know, did you did you have an aptitude for academics at all in that time? or I, You know, I've always been, you know, smart. But I was always lazy. Yeah. But I was smart. Me too. You know? And, and so I went in and I, I scored almost a perfect score on the ASVAB. That's awesome. You know? And, and so I told the recruiter, I said, listen, this is the easiest job you're ever going to have, man. I'm ready to go today. If you can get me on the bus, I'll go. I want to be in infantry. It's all you got to do, man. And he said, I don't know if you're cut out to be a Marine. Whoa. And that that challenged Whoa, me. And right he, had me, he had me hook, line, and sinker. I was already set in my mind yeah. that I was going to be a Marine, but if he hadn't have done that, and because well, told me what happened is I had to spend time in the delayed entry program, right? And it was months, and during the months, you know, you're on probation essentially, essentially, right? and, and you know, I I just wanted to go. I was yeah. ready for the next phase of my life, so I I would have gone to the army. I would have gone to the. I would have gone somewhere else. But as soon as he said, "You don't have what it takes," <laughs> I said, "Brother, you have no idea." He knew. He yeah. knew. Well, he you know, was beating you. For he was. Hook, hook, line, and sinker, man. Yeah, absolutely. But really, that was when, you know, I, I got in. I realized, okay, this is this is for real now. Once I finally made it to boot camp, and I finally, you know, got in and started doing that. What? Okay, let's back up. What? what you know, it's one thing to go in and sign up, right? Because mm -hmm. you you have these idly, idealistic I views of of this transformation that's in, that's gonna. It's romantic, happen. yeah, right. It's very romantic. totally, man. And and there's enough influence at that time for us in terms of uh, what we watch on movies, sure. or like it's profound, right? And you're a kid. In the in the you know in the late eighties, the girls the girls play Barbies. Yeah, the boys play military. Yep, you know I mean that's just kind of how I, I mean, at least it's how I grew up. Me too, you know, hundred percent. But once you sign up and that that Maps Day comes and that bus ride and then you show up, man, did did you hit a new point of evaluating your fear at all at that moment? No, I just put my head down and, and, and just figured. I said, listen, I'm going to get through this no matter what. So there was no fear through. All a boot camp. They is that were, a result of just having to grind as a kid always? Probably. Yeah, you probably like it couldn't have been harder than that. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, honestly, couldn't have until I got to Somalia. <laughs> and that's honestly so. Getting back to your question yeah. about fear, that's where I really had to learn to manage fear. Okay. Um. You know, Do you remember I did. A I did. Time? I did. I did two tours. Right. Yep. You did like ninety five. No, right? no, not yeah, even. Not even. But I mean. 
you get my point. Like yeah. the, the kids that are going through the, you know, have been dealing with the global war on terror. It's a know, whole nother, it's a it's, phenomenon. It's insane. Like I yeah. thought, you know, two, two, at the time, two tours was a lot. It's a truckload you know? back then. It really was because we, you know, we had the, the, the Gulf War, but that that went quick. You know, before it was Panama and, and yep. you know, Grenada. Like, okay, we invaded the Caribbean island. <laughs> you know, so I mean. Sorry, gents. Yeah. So, you know, to to go to to equatorial Africa, a place that's been in conflict since the colonials. I mean, really, way before then. Way before the, that. You know, the Cradle the of Zulu Mankind. The Wars yeah. and everything. But, you know, to go to that place and their concept of fighting is is so base. And, and so you want to talk about having no fear. The Somali clansmen, zero fear. Zero. Even the Somali civilians. What happens typically when gunfire erupts, right? People go the opposite way. Yeah, they run from it. The Somalis, run. women, children, elders, and obviously the Klansmen, would run towards it. Wow. And the Klansmen would use the the children and women and old people as human shields. And they'd pop their AK behind their, underneath their arm. And here you are, 19 years old, and you've got a machine gun. And you're like, oh, shit, what do I yeah. do? You know, and, and, and then you begin to evaluate what's important to you and that's just the guy on the right or the left and getting home and all that but man it's so funny that i don't mean to cut you yeah. off but you you brought that up and i i remember the first vivid description of combat i ever got to experience from a peer not from an older mm -hmm. guy i'd been around or whatever was from john waddell who was in black hawk down yeah. and we went through 18 delta he went on to delta and was there forever i mean really right. brilliant operator he, he was valedictorian of his class and then said, I, nope, I'm, he had a full ride to MIT. And, and he said, nope, I want to go to combat. I want to be a ranger. I want to go to combat. Joined six months. He's through ranger school in RIP. A year later, he's in Somalia for yeah. Black Hawk Down. And he tells this story. He told us this story when one goat day we were doing. And this, this on this corner, a couple guys kept popping out while they were in that one spot. And he, he wasted one guy and then the next guy. And next thing you know, a woman pop pops out with the eight. He kills the woman, yeah. kills another woman. And then a kid pops out and he kills the kid and another kid. And he, it just went on like that mm -hmm. all night. And he said that was the moment where he began to realize that the, the power of fear, if harnessed in the right way, can – have us do things we never dreamed fathomable. Yeah, 100%. And it's in direct correlation to how other people's fear, right? The other culture. And so here you are as this young man in Somalia, 19 years, 19 old, years old, coming from the way you grew up, and now all of a sudden you're recognizing that these people don't have the same value of life you do. Yeah. That must have been... It was heavy, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember we went through... Um, K4 circle in, in Mogadishu. And that's as you're coming from the airport and you go um, past the Olympic Hotel and you kind of come around the circle and all of a sudden you're in the Bakara market. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's that's Black Hawk Down. Like, yep. That's where all that went down. And I remember, you know, the Somalis would light tires and the black smoke billows up. That's a signal to have all the other clansmen, but they also would use that as kind of a foundation for roadblocks. Right. And they'd put a bunch of, you know, trash and debris in, in the road, but they'd have, you know, this huge smoldering fire going. And so I remember coming through the K4 circle and we, you know, it was one of our first, we were going from one base to another base, from from the airport to um, 
I think like one of the, the water treatment facilities and we get to going around K4 circle and there it's blocked off and there's this fire and I'm a 60 gunner and we had, we had back at that time, you know, the soft skin, uh, Humvees. Yeah. Oh, just troop carriers, you know? Yeah. And, and so open air and I had my, my 60 resting on, on the roof of the Hummer. And one of the guys with me was, you know, sitting next to me. And as we get, stuck there's this crowd of you know kids and, yeah. and and one of them throws a grenade into the back of our vehicle by the time i turned my 60 to shoot my buddy had shot him in the forehead wow and i remember thinking this is what's going through my mind i remember thinking holy cow i've got a sister that's about the same, same age. age and that blew me away just that correlation just that one thing wow and that's when i began to understand and thank God that the, the grenade was inert. You know what I mean? Like half the, the, the weapons there didn't even have, like the rifles didn't even have firing Fire pins. Firing pins, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thank God. thank God we were fortunate in that situation. But I learned such an amazing and powerful lesson at that moment. Um, and, and that's when I really began to harness my own fear and said, okay, if we're going to make it out of this, man, like we've just got to function. Right. You know, and, and but, but thinking, I mean, that's when I learned that they just their view was so different than ours. You know, and what you do with that knowledge is what defines whether or not you get home or not. Amen know? to that for sure. The, what's what's interesting is that you know the the a correlation to what you love most, right? Your sister and the recognition. My God, that child just wanted to kill me. Mm -hmm. That child wanted to, me to be dead, and and in, in, intended for it to happen. The yeah. child didn't know. It Took was action. Hurt. Threw that shit out, and it was yeah. like, man, I'm going to blow these guys up. They're in my land. I'm going to blow them up. And now, all of a sudden, you're rooted with that memory as a pivot point for your life. Yeah. And so I always find it fascinating, especially, I mean, you know, a lot of it has to do with, with being veterans and our sharing of our stories together. But when you really try and drill down with other people, you begin to see there's this there's this correlation to those really scary moments, those moments. We where, all have our moments. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I mean, again, it's, it's kind of what you do with that moment. Do you learn from it? Do you grow from it? Or do you let it define you? Right. Where like I could have easily, you know, not become the person I have become when my mom had me at 14 and, and drugs were a major part of, I mean, my mom was a drug addict. Like, you know, it was just, it could have set the tone for who I was forever. And somehow I found a way to work through that and not let it define me. And I right. think that's, you know, we all hit, come to those pivotal moments and it really is kind of that moment in time where you either make it or you don't, man. And, and you can certainly go back and, 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 you know, fix things over time. But you, you're, when you're confronted with that moment, you just know, Hey, I got to do something. And, and, I think again that goes back to fear, right? Like yeah. if you if you allow fear to to dictate what happens, it shuts you down, right? It, literally, it, but if you acknowledge physiologically, your fear, mentally, cognitively, literally can shut you down. You go OBE, overcome by events. Yeah. How often have you seen it? Whether it's fighters, whatever, they're so afraid that they can't function, they can't think straight, or under an, in 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 circumstances where it might be a confrontation on the street or where you literally watch people just shut down they shut down yeah it's a pretty remarkable thing yeah. but the the inverse of that is when 
you acknowledge your fear, right? You acknowledge it and you harness it. Because again, going back to how powerful, man, if you can take one of the most profound human emotions there is and, and, and channel that to help you move in a direction, yeah, man, you're almost unstoppable. You know, you just the people don't want to admit fear. So you have to get past the societal construct that fear is bad. Now you're talking, you baby. know, because otherwise, it. I mean, because, again, it, my wife and I had these conversations about whether or not to to um, get married uh, before we had our kid or after we kind of I said, baby, it doesn't matter. We're going to get married. The idea of marriage beforehand, that's a societal construct. It really is yeah. in, in every way. So. This understanding and acceptance of fear is kind of the same thing. You know, society says fear is bad. No, man, it's just because you haven't really experienced fear. Yeah, yet. yeah. If you've if you've done it, then and gone through it and, and, and said, Okay, wow, that was that was heavy. What am I gonna do with it? You've had that moment, that epiphany where you say, I can really do something with this. Yes. Then you're you're I don't want to say winning, but you are. You're I mean you're coming out you're coming out so far ahead because you've taken this this really elemental um, emotion, and said, "I'm going to make it mine, and I'm going to I'm going to empower it, you know, or use it to empower me." It's funny that you're talking about making it. You're you're giving it an identity, right? And and you're not you're not hyper compartmentalizing it. Like our brains do it naturally, right? Through right. trauma, it shoves it into these deep rest, recesses of our minds in order to protect us from, you know, the trauma of it living with a day in and day out all day long. But there's also another thing that I found and, you know, I've, I've, I've been digging in, not only experiencing fear for a better part of my entire adult life, but researching it now, you, you see, man, and I go out when I teach, you know, I give my speeches on embracing fear. I ask one of the main questions, who in the audience has ever written down every fear you've ever had, right? From when you were a child, whether yeah. you're afraid of the dark or the boogeyman or whatever, adolescence, feeling rejected, asking girls out. You know, young adulthood, fear of failure, fear of letting your parents down, whatever, not living it up to some expectation. And then as an adult, it's, man, am I a good person? Am I right. a good father, a good but husband? But where does that go back to? Think about it. We were talking about earlier. It goes back to the most challenging thing a human can do is to be honest with themselves. Amen. So to go through that exercise, which, to be honest, I've never done. I've thought a lot about fear. I've acknowledged fear. I've embraced fear. But I've never sat down and said, all right, Lex, no bullshit. What, what are you afraid what of? What scares you? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. I've never done that. And I'm actually going to now that I think about it because I think it's 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 such an important you know, lesson to be able to, to come to grips with what your fears are. Because if you now, – now you're being honest with yourself, right? You well, know? you sit there and you go boom, 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 boom. You type those keys or you write it down in your journal and you and you see it. It's real now. Like yeah. you said, it's your You've being, given life to it. You've given life. You're yeah. honest with it, man. You know, and it's funny when I, I'll be, I, I one time did it in a crowd of a thousand people and I had two people raise their hands, right? One person did it as a college, you know, when they're college and a professor, they're, you know, psych one, psych one course had them do it. And the other one been in therapy. And so they, their therapist had made them do it. But most people, when I ask this in the audiences and I'll give my embrace fear speech, probably you know, 20 times a year and, 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 and they don't, nobody's done it, but yeah. yet it's the most critical aspect of, of what we need to, you know, that the momentum forward in our lives. Right. The question I got for you now though, is you have this pivotal moment. You're this 19 year old kid. 
and you you go overseas, you see it, you're touching it, you know, and and it's almost, you know, you think about it, right? Is is death the real consequence you have to have to learn how to deal with your fears? I don't believe it is. Right. I think it's a it's a it's it's, it's the ultimate. It's, the, yeah. it's it's you're getting shot out of that cannon, yeah. but at the same time, it's not a necessity. We can do it in any other way, a lot of other ways. So you experience this moment, and you come home. After, let's go your second one, and at that moment, when do you make the decision? You're like, all right, now I've got the understanding of my fear. How do I then take this and launch to the next level of my life? You know, I don't know that there was a conscious moment, Rod, to be honest. Really? You know, I, I think that I just came, I was so happy to be home and alive. Yeah, man. That I just started living and I lived life to the fullest. And, you know, talking about my sense of adventure, I think that really, that's where my sense of adventure, you know, the military sent me to, I think, 17 countries. Oh, wow. Which, you know, for a young kid, that's that's pretty darn good. I've been to 106 now. <laughs> so I, I took that, that, that seed that the military planted yeah. And, and I've run with it, man. And, it's and, beautiful. And I think that that's how, like, I just never sat down and said, okay, what's next? I just said, bring it. I'm going to, there's nothing I won't try. There's truly not. I will eat anything. I, I will. I <laughs> you will. have, like, I, I make comments about my goat gut. I've never seen anything like yours. Bro. <laughs> you are on another, you are next level goat gut. I, I'm, you know, I'm just. I think again, you know, why? Back to, why though? Why is why is because it all could have been gone in a second? In a second, and I could have never had those experiences. And I and and now having children, that's the big lesson I teach them: is the world's such a big, beautiful, amazing place. Yes, it's fraught with dangers and all of that. But guess what? If you don't go out and experience it, you're gonna live this very sheltered, myopic life. Yeah, and you won't know who you really are and how you fit into the bigger picture of, of this world and, and, and everything that you know goes on in it until you get out there, right. you know? So every time I travel, I bring home currency, I bring home pictures of, of the people. Yeah. Um, if I can, I bring home food, anything that will well, allow culture, my kids. The, the touch, yeah. the taste. And you know, the, I think for me, where I really saw, because a lot of people we know travel a lot, right? Yeah. They go all over. But for me, it was when you were in, you know, when you were in Kazakhstan, right? Yep. And you played that game and you got on the horse. Kukpar. Kukpar. Yeah. And this, and I told you this beautiful story about when I was with Blackwater, we took these guys out. We were in a Hilo and we're coming back over the hills near uh, Bagram and right outside. And, and we're flying over, and I say, whoa, 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 and I get on the mic, and I say, hey, go fly over there. And they were playing this game. And yeah. it, you know, Buskashi. Buskashi, yeah. right? Yeah, that's and the Afghan version. The Afghan, and I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I want to play. That's one of my bucket list right. things. Then all of a sudden, my, my best friend Lex, I see overseas, and he's playing this damn game, and I'm like, that's living. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, it, it was great because we were – we were there with the fighters, you know, and there was quite a few Kazakh fighters that we were highlighting and showcase. Uh, but we were also there with um, one of my very dear friends for many, many years, who's also my coach, which is Jay-Z Calvin Conte. He was, you know, an incredibly high-level fighter uh, in his early 20s, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, you know, he was huge in Japan, but he was born on the same day. I don't even know if you realize mm -hmm. it. He was born the same day I was. And he and I are really 
very similar people. Really? So I brought him to Kazakhstan to to help coach the Kazakhs to get them ready for the big tournament we had. And we went to go play Coke Bar, and it was all for filming and yeah. the show. But there was no, okay, this is how you play. These are the rules. Here's how you – have you ever ridden a horse? Here's a safety <laughs> – here are the reins. And in guttural <laughs> Kazakh English translation, go into hole. Don't get hit. And that's really the every the explanation we got. And Jay Z don't and I, get hit. Jay Z and I just said, you know what, man, we're in. And and I mean, Great he was better than I, he was better than I was, man. You could see what an athlete and what a warrior he, right. he really is. But man, we just we, we just said, let's go. Let's go. Let's make and it happen, it. man. And it was so fun. It was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, and it's, man, it, and so that's another, the next place that I want to move into is that self-confidence, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what that is. Yeah. It's to, you know, not only just because of the experiences you've had and where you've gone and what you've seen and, and the ability to embrace fear like you are. Now it's like, oh, man, I want to in, intensify who I am as a person, right? I want to I want to have self-confidence day in and day out and so all of these experiences are feeding me this thing. Have you ever thought of yourself as a person that struggled with self-confidence? I honestly think if someone says that they haven't, they're full of shit. Yeah. We all do. It's part of the human condition, right? Um I just go back to I mean there's days I think, wow, I I'm I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. And I, I go back to a phrase that I think I learned it in the military. Um, I can't remember 100% exactly when, but I remember being confronted with a real challenge. And and it seemed daunting, like climbing Everest, right? Mm -hmm, right. Like just so out of reach of what I thought was I was capable of personally. And I was told, look, how, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know. How the hell do you eat an elephant? I mean, it's like an animal that's multiple tons. How do you a eat an elephant? A flamethrower. One bite at a time. One bite at a time. And where do you start? It just became, you know, to me, so that's how I have navigated really challenging circumstances. I know it's what you kind of, how you got through your, your buds experience and yeah. then subsequently military time because I think it's a, it's a universal lesson. Yes. Um, but that's how I really get through the challenges that I have day to day where I lack the confidence and I think, man, I don't know if I'm going to pull this off. I say, you know what? If I can just accomplish this one small little win, this one little victory in the aggregate, before you know it, you're on the top of the mountain, man. Yeah. You know, you've climbed Everest and you didn't even realize you were walking. Right. You know, you were just taking one tiny little step at a time thinking, okay, I'm just moving from point A into point B. Well, by the time you are done walking – you're on the top of the world, 28,000 feet. Wow. You know? Um, and I think that it, having that experience of, of struggling with confidence is, is just, I mean, it's just part of who we are, man. And again, I go back to, it's the one thing like I'm so consistent on is trying to be honest with myself, right? And, and I know, and I struggle with it to be, you know, to be honest, I struggle with being honest with myself and I have to hold myself accountable to say, okay, Ask yourself the tough questions. Be introspective. Strip away everything that society says you should be doing and just sit back and say, what feels right? What feels good? What feels bad? What, you know, what feels wrong? 
and ask, go through that exercise. And once I do that, my self-confidence issues go away. Where'd you learn the exercise though? Because obviously you, you don't you don't grow up in Beverly Hills and in the way you did going to the Marine Corps, and then all of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, you, you know, you're you're thinking in deep philosophical thoughts or tranches of identity, you know, in in saying these are the things that I utilize, I root myself in when my self confidence is taking a beating. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would love to say that, you know, I just have it. But the reality is I I have to lean on I, I think I'm I'm part of all the men and, and women that have been a part of my life. Yeah, man. You know, and I've taken elements from each one of those people that were really significant. Like, you know, one of my buddies, Ernest, I remember he was on the football team with me and, and he kinda took me in and my mom and her boyfriend um got in a fight and which led me to get in a fight with her boyfriend and i couldn't go home for like weeks because they lived together you yeah. know and so i remember i just left the house in a pair of shorts no shirt no shoes walked three miles to my buddy's house knocked on the door and he took me in and his mom's like what are we doing and he and he just looked at her and he said we're gonna take care of him and wow. you know so ernest has been this guy he he, he took me in he 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 was so much smarter than I was. Cause again, I didn't, I was lazy. And so I didn't push myself. He pushed himself. Right. So he, he helped to push me. He taught me, you know, a lot of things about, you know, the use of language and, you know, so that was one guy, you know, you've certainly been since we got to know one another, you've had a profound impact on, on how I evaluate and look at things. Right. My wife, my kids, I think my kids are probably the biggest one, man. It's massive. Because you you look at it and go, wow, am I being a good enough person, a good enough father, a good enough role model, so that they can grow up better than I did? Not that, listen, my mom busted her ass, but it wasn't ideal, you know? So that's part of my process. And and so how I've come to a place where I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin is by taking bits and pieces of all the people that are around me and always being willing to, to say, what did I learn from that person? Yeah. You know? Um, it's a gift, you know. I mean, what you have is really special. I mean, I know a lot of friggin' people out there. I've met a lot of human beings, as, as, as you, I'm sure, have mm -hmm. as well. But what you possess is a gift, Lex. It really is. People don't have the capacity normally to live with that self-introspection, but rooted in this sense of servitude. Yeah. I mean, you wake up every day and you serve, right? You, you serve as, as, as a husband. You serve <laughs> probably one of the best fathers I know by far. You, Thanks, bro. You, you, you serve, you know, you're, you serve these organizations. You, literally, you... you you will give everything that you are and that you have in, in, in every way to other people. That That's something different than what we're talking about. That's a deeper thing. Yeah, man. but if you think about it, bro, I mean, so it's all about the definition of success. Right. Me, right? Yep. I was in an environment at one point in my life where I got to, to mingle and be around the elite. And some of the wealth, literally the wealthiest people in the world. I saw my dad, who was extraordinarily wealthy, made a lot of money over the years in entertainment. Um, you know, my my adopted father, 
and the dad broke. The context of the question is here you're, you have this innate gift inside you. Definition right? of success. Definite, which leads yeah. to this, this greater idea of how you evaluate success. Is it rooted in the materialism that you witness with Ed McMahon and all these amazing human beings in Hollywood and the heavyweight titans of the world? Or is it rooted in the 19-year-old the Marine that you just saw kill some kid? Yeah. Is it rooted in the, the, the life of, of growing up with the trouble, you know, your mom and her struggles? Or is it rooted in, you know, your becoming a, a lawyer with an MBA? You know what I mean? These are a lot of different influences that, but yet I, I somehow I've always felt this genuine definition. And where, where do you think that came from? I mean, I think I've always had, um, but it continued to grow. And, and I, you know, took it, it took root, I think, over time. But, you know, ten and a half years ago when Addison, my first daughter, was born, that's when my definition of success changed entirely. And I've been such a better person because of it. Um, you know, that's what really kind of sparked the idea of, well, what we're talking about is a definition of success, right? I could have a ton of money and I've had it. I've lost it. I've made it back again. I've lost it again. <laughs> made it back again. You know what I mean? So I, I've had a ton of success. Yeah. I, I've been a C-class officer in, you know, multiple companies. You know, I, I'm self-made, got this amazing education. That's, those are great ways to measure success for sure. But guess what? The degrees are wallpaper. <laughs> All the money you make, you don't take it with you. Not, I know it's cliche, but you truly don't. Not a dime. You know? So what's going to be left? What, how will I be defined as a success by my children? And they, what I've come by to your team, your is, is what, if my kids look at me and say, my dad made this place, this world a better place. He taught me lessons because he genuinely cared and wanted me to grow. He gave me the opportunities and sacrificed some of the things that he and, and mom would like to do so that we could have better opportunities. If my kids, when I'm no longer here and they're giving my eulogy, if my kids say those type of things about me, then my life will have been worthwhile. It will have been of meaning. And I talk to every time I do these philanthropic endeavors, and you know, you know, it's yeah. it's it's part of the fabric of who I am. You right? have to do it, I, brother. I I spend honestly, I spend just as much or more time. I, I know than I do working, helping other people, and actually, sadly, in some degree, less time than I or more time than I do spending time with my family. Yeah, but my family understands why I do it. it they understand that it's it's my effort to to make the world a better place and, and, and show my show. Like my wife gets it, man. Like, yeah. you know, she definitely gets it. She understands that everything that I do is about my children and teaching them. So she, she gives me the latitude to do it. You know, and she's allowed me to define what is gonna be my work, what's gonna be my definition of success. It impacts her for sure, you know, but she's cool. She's like, okay, I don't, you know. Well, it's funny, you know, we, we talk a lot about this as we talk about that team that's around us, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you, you, you have certain teams for certain things, but the, the essence of that real team, that true team life, and, and, and what they, how they understand us, right? And what the latitude they give us with that growth, but yet it also how they push us as well, too. Yeah. And Accountability. So, yeah. And so when you, I mean, obviously you, 
<laughs> you, you get to see literally hundreds of teams, right? All these young kids coming into the fight world and their teams that support them in this conquest of this championship or money or whatever it might be. So you, you've been around that. You understand the teams of the military, right? How, how do you define team at, at the highest level? I would say it's the most elementary level. And that's, that's the family, right? Like I go through our personal experiences, both you and I, you know, just use that as a point of reference, right. you know, both of our lives and our, and our definition of team have, have changed over the years, you know, from athletic to military, um, you know, for me back into the martial arts. Um, but the ultimate measure of team or, or definition of team to me is family, because guess what? When everything is great they're there but more importantly when everything's bad which we've both gone through everybody goes through you know yeah. there's not one person that's listening that hasn't had their own difficult time right Pain. and and how they get through it is do they have that team their family to take care and i think i'm so hypersensitive to the value of family because, because I, of how you grew up? Because I grew up in such a dysfunctional family. Right. You know, and I love my mom, but, you know, it, it, she, listen, she could have given me, we talk about this all the time, like, she could have given me up, and she didn't. She fought for me, and it was so hard for her. You know, she struggled with addiction. She still does, you know, mm -hmm. in, in her early 60s, still does. But she never quit because I was her team, you know? And she loved you. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And so as much as... I appreciated that, and it means to me so much. I look at it and say, okay, what could be better about that? How, how could I, I create? How do I refine this? How do I? And, and so the idea of nuclear family is just so incredibly important to me. But it's not just the the wife and, and daughters. No. Uh, I extend it out to, you know, friends of the family you choose. Right. Right. And, and, and some friends come and go in your life, and, and that is what it is. They're part of your family. They're part of that ultimate team. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that are really meaningful are there through every trial and tribulation. Just like when you were going through your tough times, I was just, hey, man, you good? Always. You good? You know, and, and, and vice versa. That's yeah. that's the team. You know, that's making it through it. So, you know, the familial unit, however you define it. And again, my definition is, is you know, my immediate family, but also, you know, the, the, the friends of the family that I choose. Um, that's the most powerful part of team to me. Right. I, I, you know, it's funny, man. You, 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 as a child, whatever team you come from, you know, it, it leaves a, a profound impression. And then we have this great opportunity to be a part of these teams in the military where, you know, the, the glue that holds you together is the probability of your own death, right? Right. So that transcends all a lot of this other stuff. It transcends race. It transcends socioeconomic background, regional background, culture. We're all, all the same. It does not <laughs> yeah. matter, right? And that's a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, now for me, and, and, and Jonna said this, my fiance said this just the other day. She goes, you know, listen, for much of, of, of your life you've been on this grand journey really trying to understand the human condition right really exploring yep. right but now man you you, you know it, it are you are you able to root yourself in that the essence of that true team mm -hmm. right and that you're no longer 
on this journey for for me what you know traveling wherever and doing all this cool stuff and but it's like man I'm doing things now to make me a better teammate not yeah. to go search for new teammates that might you know that can benefit me in whatever purpose or drive I have but man how am I going to make myself the best possible teammate yeah. which at you the head of four girls right now yeah man, a husband that, or that changes soon to be, you yeah know, that changes things yeah. for sure no again I mean that was that was the thing that that changed my entire definition and perspective about success was that family idea that family concept you know did it intensify when your youngest came along as well did it grow did it get deeper it definitely got deeper, you know, but there was also this, you know, a little bit off topic, but I think somewhat related in that, you know, as a, as a first time dad, my older daughter, Addison and I were so incredibly close, you know, we just had this bond and then Kylie came along and I had to learn to be close to her. So for some reason, I just didn't have this connection and I loved her. I mean, she's my daughter, you know, she's gorgeous. She's sweet. She's got this amazing laugh, but I just, I couldn't connect with her. And it, it took my wife showing me kind of, hey, this is your child. Like, you know, and like I got it, but I didn't. Yeah. Like I truly did. Like and I, I think it's not uncommon. I think that, that some parents deal with that. You know, she was super close with her mom. Mm -hmm. I was super close with, with our, our other daughter. But I think that separation was really instructional for me because it. Huh, how so? Because it. It, it forced me again. Like I, I always try to be going back to that hardest thing someone can do is be honest with himself. When my wife pointed it out, I'm like, no, no, what are you talking about? Then I went and sat quietly somewhere, and I was like, all right, Lex, what, what's going on? Why, why aren't you as close with your other daughter, whom you love with all your heart? Why aren't you as close with her? And why do you not accept? This amazing girl, because she's this incredible, vivacious, just so funny, like the she's sweetest kid, the sweetest kid. And frankly, my oldest daughter is kind of a pain in the ass, but I love her to death, <laughs> and I'm so close to her, you know. But so with Kylie, when I sat down and I said, "Why am I not?" The next question was, "Well, how do I become?" Because I cared and I wanted to be, and so it became very instructional for me in that I had to teach myself and find ways. To, to access her and to have that connection and that bond between us really develop more. And, you know, she's taught me a tremendous amount, man, to be honest. You know, she's probably taught me more than either my wife or, or my older daughter because it wasn't easy. It wasn't, we had to work at that relationship. You know, she fed off of the fact that I probably wasn't connecting to her. Yeah. So there was this chasm. And how do you bridge that gap, right? And it was just by really consistent, especially work. with a child, yeah, right, because yeah. everything's so palpable in 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 the surface. Sure, there's no hidden agenda. There's no there's no filter. There's no judgment. And there's, there's the ultimate truth with children. Immediate, they truth. speak truth. Period. Pure truth, man. And so, I had to learn how to connect with her so that she would see that I really loved her and cared about her, and I had to teach myself how to do that. And I did it by sitting back and just watching her. To be wow, honest. that's amazing, man. Yeah. All right, we're going to take just a quick real break right now. I just want to talk about uh, our sponsors for the Frog Logic podcast. Um, again, man, uh, I, I just I feel so blessed and honored, you know, to have 
uh, developed. Actually, what's kind of ironic is that my relationship with with Aubrey Marcus and and on it uh, stems from this man sitting across yeah, from right. me right now. He's the one who gave me the the kettle, the monkey kettlebells. He's the <laughs> one who forwarded my photos on to Andy and 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 thank God for you, Lex, and and, and helping me with that because without you, I I certainly wouldn't have the 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 opportunity to, to partner with Onnit and, and, and many of their great products, but most specifically Alpha Brain. Um, you know, if you haven't, if you're struggling every day, trying, maybe you're just fatigued, you've got too much stress in your life, you're not sleeping well enough, and you are just struggling to stay, you know, you know synapses aren't really firing online. Man, there's a there's a lot of opportunities, and, and you know, there's a, a, a truckload of pharmaceuticals that are out on the market, uh, you know, I've had a lot of friends try and go that route. I've never heard a lot of great, wonderful, positive things about that. And, you know, as a person that really tries to maintain a holistic approach in my life, uh, mostly out of fear of, <laughs> of what could happen otherwise, I, you know, Alpha Brain has been this great product for me. Um, you know, I have a lot of fear in my life about traumatic brain injury, about concussions from the past. And so I really, you know, I value my brain, right? Yeah, it's, listen, it's a muscle in many respects. You got to nourish it. You got to take care of it, right? Legitimately. And, and we, we don't do that so often. It's one of the last things we actually try and take care of the most, right? We'll, we'll take everything to build muscle. We'll take everything yeah. to lose weight. We'll take everything to whatever, but, you know, the, the stuff that really makes our brains healthy and, and, and vibrant and focused and that alacrity that comes with really clear thinking, which we all need every day, especially when you're you're contemplating life and you're on this wonderful journey. So, uh, you know, I, I can't recommend enough Alpha Brain for people out there. Every morning I wake up, first thing I do, I walk into the bathroom, I go pee or for my fourth time <laughs> of the night because I'm an old man now. But like I, you know, I, I, I bend over, I, I, I get out my, you know, my gummy CDB yep. <laughs> and then I, I, I have an Alpha Brain with that. And it just really gives me this opportunity to, um, to just start off with a crisp mindset and, with as much as I work, you know, I work like you seven days a like week. A dog, right? Like a dog, it's all, it's all we do, man. We're just a bunch of carnies selling our wares. And, yeah. and so Alpha Brain has been this one wonderful product. I, I, I highly recommend it. Go out there. You know, you know, just don't take my word. There's a lot of people out there that uh, are supporting Aubrey and supporting this product. It's their it's their their anchor product and all of their lines. They've spent the most time you know, medically researching it, putting the right products together. All the products are squared away. Uh, I've sat for a long periods of time discussing why Aubrey really focused on this and what it really meant to him and to on it as a company, but also for the people that he was trying to help optimize their life. So go to onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T.com. Go check it out. Look out Alpha Brain. Tell them I sent you Frog Logic and, and, and go check it out. But here's the thing, real quick, because I yeah. want to piggyback. Because, you know, I mean, like you said, Carney is selling our wares. Yeah. The great thing about On It and Alpha Brain is the people who are associated with it, right? The Joe Rogans, the Brendans, the Brian Callens, myself, like people that have really been around this product. And, you know, it's part of, of the, the, um, of our business relationship, we all came to it as fans before there was a business way relationship. Way before, way before. I'm a huge believer, man. It gives me focus. Like, I love that aspect of it. You know, Joe Rogan has talked agnosium about yeah. how incredible it is. And, and it's not just that, you know, again, like, transparent, like, yeah, they, they sponsor his podcast for sure, right? And Brendan, the same thing. But 
again, he was their biggest advocate. They came to him and said, "Wow, you really like it? Yeah. Okay, let's get it. Let's get you involved." He loves it, man, and I love it too. And, and my wife takes it. You know, like it's just it's it's a killer product, man, and it's one that like you know wholeheartedly stand behind it's like an easy yeah, one you sit back and you go holy shit really I, i'm clear-headed right now yeah. you know the, the bomb didn't win today well <laughs> especially you know in your life where you have in our lives nowadays you have 50 different things going on yeah. right i mean as entrepreneurs or vetrepreneurs or whatever man we're juggling so many different aspects of these businesses that we're involved in and your family life and, and this <laughs> and that you and, know? and so if that when you start to have that neurological fatigue man you miss things you 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 drop the ball on things you're not giving your very best to the people that are depending on you and and i, I agree with you thank you for for contributing to that so there you have it um the other sponsor we have is is wise foods um you know i, I i've yet to given a, a bunch to lex here but i'm going to do that i'm going to give him a bucket the great way uh, buffalo needs <laughs> to eat i need to be wise with my food so you know i mean all you got to do i mean there's a lot of prepper foods out there companies there's a lot of groups that sell these you know long long lasting uh food uh but i'm telling you man as a person that's literally been preparing for the worst possible scenarios for the entirety of my adult life. The zombie apocalypse? It's literally coming. You know it. You know it's I'm coming. I'm prepared. I mean, well, I just I've, need some wise food in the back I, of the car. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I've seen your guns. You're kind of there there. You definitely don't have enough ammo, though. I've I've added to the collection. Okay, okay. So you got I, I've got enough, some new toys. You have new toys. All I just right. need wise food now. All right, all right. So that's what we're going to do. So listen, it, it, you know, I'm telling you what. There's, not a, the, there's a lot of things that I love the most about. It. It, it, and it's not the, you know, the the guaranteed return on money. If you don't like it in 90 days, it's not the fact that it, t- it that it tastes great. I mean, they I've been to the facility. I know, I've met the chefs. I understand how they put together their meals. It's not the the, the way they process the freeze dry the food. It's not the 25 year shelf life. All of these things. It literally is for me. It's the peace of mind, man. It's the peace of mind that I know. If we get hit with a Category 5 hurricane, there are no lines of transportation. The Publixes can't get resupplied. There's no fuel in South Florida. There's no nothing. At the minimum, man, I am going to have enough guns and ammo, enough water, and enough quality food. Providing to sustain the family. To sustain my five other members of my family. and. <laughs> And my oldest, the swan right now, 11 years old, we call her the machine because she's literally going through about 3,000 calories a day <laughs> right now, that we can sustain ourselves. And, and you know, this is a company that stands behind its product. They're, they're making huge headway. Their, their, their growth trajectory over the last six months is astronomical. They're, 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 they've grown in the last three months like by 40% uh, because it's the quality of food that you're getting, the pro- quality of product. So I'm telling you. So let's talk about the quality of the food. Let's do it. Because so how many? Give me some menu items. Ha, how many? I, when we were in the military, I, we had 12 MREs. All right. Back in the day. Remember those? So remember t- how rank they were, horrible, dude? Horrible. Horrible. You even with the Ranger cookbook, you could not make a <laughs> decent meal. You could not. So talk to me about some of the stuff that Wise has got. Because now I'm hooked. Like I'm, in, I'm going home. I'm doing some due diligence, man. Like, well, here's the deal. I mean, so all the traditional meals, right? Right. The chili mac, the you know, oh, the pasta alfredo, the chickens. I mean, 
they've taken all those staples, right? And they've reworked them, remastered them. So the quality of the meat that's in there is profound. I mean, it's it's solid, good. It's not a meat byproduct or anything. It's real meat in there, right? They've got the noodles are cooked. The process with the, the cook time, the packaging, especially in their outdoor camping stuff, they have outdoor camping meals that knock the snot out of the other biggest competitor out there. And they're the number two people. Best right meal. Now. Wise foods, best it, meal. It, Tell it, me, which it, one is it? Oh, man. That's tough. I'm going to go with the pasta Alfredo right now. I could love some pasta oh, Alfredo. God. What I would do to pasta you Alfredo would right now. destroy that. All right, oh. next interview. <laughs> next interview. We're going to have Wise Food together right, All right. here. All right. All right. Sold. All right. All right. So check out wisefoodcompany.com. They've got everything from preppers meals, the buckets that you can get. You can make a purchase that lasts you three years for the ultimate zombie apocalypse, right? It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Literally coming soon, right, to a theater near you. Look at all the power grids going down in New York. You think that was just, oh, we just overdid something? (laughs) Nah, not so much, right? You can take it down the It was a probing attack. That's what it was. Exactly, (laughs) probing attack. Look at Citibank just got hacked, man. It's it's out there. It's coming, man. So – They've got the prepper meals that you can spend a thing on, uh, spend the big money on. You've got they've got a, a three day, they've got a, a one month. They've got these great emergency backpacks that you can go down to Costco, right, or Sam's Club. Just look for the pallet out there. Got my face right next to it, right? Uh, really, they couldn't have come up with a dude, prettier looking dude, dude than I, Jesus. I look at you. You're, you're like I, Jesus now. <laughs> I love you, bro. I'm the Navy SEAL Jesus, right? <laughs> so literally, the, Bullet fun, warrior. the funny thing, I sent that to him. I sent the photos and I said, are you sure? <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> and they went with it, man. God bless them. They went with it. All right. So, you know, get out there. Go check it out, man. And and I promise you, you won't be let down. And, and most importantly, uh, you're going to have that peace of mind for your family. Uh, you're going to be prepared for the next hurricane, the next wildfire, the next flood, the next tornado, the next earthquake, or God forbid, the next EMP or World War III or the zombie apocalypse, right? Check and out. by the way, all those things happen, man. Yeah. All the time, especially here in South Florida for some reason. I, right? Crazy. Why is South Florida so freaking crazy, dude? Because real men are here. You and I are here, and we can defend it. I, I perhaps, but why is everybody so freaking nuts here, dude? How that's about a, that's this? a discussion for How another about, day, man. Dude, for many know, days. You know what? My here's my goal. Here's my goal. In the next six to seven months, maybe shorter, because I want. I really want this to happen. We're gonna have Nick sitting there from Ranger out, right? We're gonna have Nick come on. Yeah. Because every time on BNN, Bad News Network, which by the way. Awesome. You have to listen. There isn't much that I will 100% stand behind, right? From a media content distribution. Consistently, Nick's amazing with what he does. He mm-hmm. has been always, but being in is his brainchild. It's the best thing he's put out. By far. It is glorious. And my favorite thing is he always has a crazy news story from South Florida (laughs) about how some crazy idiot did something. All my friends send me clippings of like, you know, a screenshot. Look, it's going on in Florida. Yeah. Ah, Man, I don't know what to tell you. It's cool here. I like it. It's paradise. (laughs) It makes sense for us, doesn't it? It does. It does. (laughs) I love it. All right. So go to wisefood.com. Check it out. Tell them I sent you frog logic and man, enjoy your food. All right. I'm sorry for that interruption, brother. Um, all right, I I, I want to move towards you know the 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 really shift into something that 
I think so many people struggle with out there right now, and that's what their purpose is. And, you know, I think you have this amazing, amazing, you know, this this experience that you get to uh, participate in every day because you're literally, right, you're bringing dreams to fruition, right? These young kids, men and women, who imagine themselves as the greatest, the champion of the world at whatever, whatever, you know, whether it's UFC or Pride or whatever they're going, Bellator, you know, they're, they have to come through you, many, many of them. And, and you see them and you see this construct of purpose. How do you look at purpose in your life, especially with as many places as you've seen, as many you know, dreams that you seem come true and dreams shattered. How do you look and define pur- look at and define purpose? And I go back to thinking about before I went into the military. You remember I said I was a rudderless ship, yeah. right? So purpose is that rudder. It's it what gives you your your capacity to march to march on and to have a direction. Um, is it relevant? Is it relative to identity as well too? Oh, Oh, hundred percent. Okay. If you. If, if you don't know your purpose, you don't know what your role is in this world, right? And you're just going through it and you're just experiencing but not experiencing, right? You're just kind of you're 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 being you're responding. You're you're not being proactive, right? You're not going out with an intention to do something. But if you've got a purpose, you're going out with a specific intention that you're going to execute a certain plan to do something, right? And you know, for me, I look at my purpose and, you know, you touched on it with, so I think I have multiple, right? My number one purpose is to be the best possible father and husband I can be. Check. Got to do that, right? The, the next one is philanthropically. How do I serve? How do I make the world a better place, right? And, and it's, for, for me, the thing that resonated the most was serving our brothers and sisters, right? So how do I serve the military veteran community? How do I uplift them, give them opportunities to fight through the darkness, to, to, to find light and happiness again? Then my third purpose is, you know, what I do professionally. And, and that is, like you said, giving these amazing athletes. If you're not a fan of MMA, you think it's blood sport or whatever, I'd encourage you to take a look at it and, and really understand how hard these kids work. The stories they it. They... They put so much into it, and they come from such humble beginnings. I mean, literally kids sleeping on the mat of a gym because they come from the favela in Brazil or whatever really you know, austere, kind of impoverished background because that's the majority of the kids that come on. And it's their vehicle you know, to, to, to moving on to the next level. But you know, one of the things is after every fight I go into the cage, and I know you know this because you've been to a lot of my fights, but after every fight I go into the cage, I hug both the winner and the loser. Yeah, you do. And, you know, we have this amazing photographer, a guy by the name of Ryan Loco. And Ryan has captured, and he sent to me recently, a a catalog of me hugging fighters. All the hugs. And and you give a great hug. I do. Bro. I'm a big boy. You, I, get, I give a give, good hug. Like, I, when I'm in your embrace, dude. That, that sounds questionable. No, it's not, <laughs> dude. There is no, there's nothing questionable about it. If you ever see... Lex on the street. If you ever around him, you see him. 
go up to him and give him a hug and feel what that feels like. It's love, man. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. Um, but you know, that's to me when I when I embrace them, it's me acknowledging that I'm going through this with you, right? And I'm gonna help be a really positive part of your journey. Like I've developed a reputation of being someone who will put our athletes ahead of the promotion. I mean, all the time, I will help, I'll pick up the phone and call Dana and say, hey, I've got a kid that's amazing. He's gonna fight for the title in two weeks, but I think there's an opportunity now, you should take him. And that's happened 80 plus times in the past three years. Wow. You know, fighters that we've put from my promotion into the UFC. Um, and, and that's our relationship with them is is to essentially be their feeder league. Can but, I ask you a quick question? Because I, 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 you know, it, it's and I remember the first time talking about it because you you develop these deep, strong connections, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and I remember how when I first asked you about representation and being their agents, right? And and you you touched on it a little bit before in the conversation. What was the what was the reason why you wanted to be connected in that way at that time? You know, I mean, I was fortunate in that with Ed, you know, my, my adopted dad, I got to see somebody who had, you know, quote unquote, some of the best representatives uh, from an agency perspective in the world. You know, he was represented by CAA, William Morris at different points of you know his career. Um, but here's the thing, the, the great lesson I learned from that is as I mentioned earlier, you know, Ed was a guy that was making six million dollars a year for thirty years. Thirty years, and then died broke. Wow, not a penny to his name. Wow, and a big part of that was he certainly made some bad decisions. Had three wives that all kind of, you know, that takes a toll on on you, and lived a, a crazy lifestyle. And but at the end of the day, also part of it was that when he was no longer the guy making six million dollars a year and he was making five hundred thousand to a million a year mm -hmm. they treated him differently and here's a guy who's an icon i mean an absolute icon of the entertainment industry and they he wasn't receiving the standard of care that i thought i felt he should he have. deserved and that he had received for many years right. but what changed right economics so i looked at that and i said you know what man I'm gonna, and that's why I've had the relationships that I've had for so long. I mean, I've been with Brendan Schaub for damn near 11 years. Wow. And not just, you know, he stopped fighting. I still work with him. Yeah. He's still one of my really good friends. And it's because when I started representing him and everybody else that I've represented, you know, Stefan Struve has been, you know, my client for the same thing. I think 10 Essentially or 11 Essentially also your son, because yes. he lived with you for. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. But I think the reason I've been able to have those relationships is I always put them ahead of of me. Yeah. And you know, there was time times I did work for Brendan for no money, and I did it because I cared for him, yeah. and I wanted to see his successes. He was struggling to redefine who he was going to be, you know, from no longer being a fighter to now being this monster in entertainment, you know, in podcasting. He's huge. I mean, Massive. I mean, you and I have seen him do comedy. It's awesome. He just yeah. had a Showtime comedy special. He, Which was awesome. He commentates for Showtime for boxing. Like, I mean, he's just gotten so big. But he still calls and talks to me daily. Hey, man, like, I need advice. And he, I'm the confidant that he trusts because he's told me this before. 
he feels like I'm the only person in his life. And that's pretty significant when you think about it. He's talking about his family, too. Right. Who doesn't want anything from him. Yeah. I genuinely care about his success. And I think that that's where, you know, the attitude I've taken with all the people that I've represented and the fighters that I work with, you know, now as a promoter is I just, I want them to succeed, man. I figure if I, if I can get them to succeed, I'm going to succeed. Amen. You know, I mean, it's that rising tide concept, right? And and you can be an asshole and, and, and treat people poorly and use them to step on to make your way to the top. But guess what? As soon as they figure it out and they walk away, you come sliding down. Yeah, or falling down. You know, and, but conversely, if you have been building people up and, and then as they're, reaching success they bring you along with them it, it's like this foundation of power and strength Amen. because yeah you know brother. again you love each other you care about one another i mean like you know step, the big joke is you know here i have this seven foot 300 pound ufc fighter that lives at our house and he's the manny to our children like <laughs> he walks to school and picks up my eight and ten year old daughters <laughs> and all the you know all the parkland moms are like wait what what <laughs> you know but you know, he's just part of the family, and that's the, the that's the I think the perspective you you have to have. You have to treat people really well and care about them. And when you do that, and that's been you know my purpose is yeah. to care about these people to help them su succeed and realize their dream and and help them think about you know because like you said, I mean I've been fortunate because I've gone through so much and I've had so many. With age comes wisdom, right? Yeah, sir. So I've accumulated some wisdom. You, you know, got I've I, I've got I've got some scars to show. You know. Hey, I've been through some some things, and why don't we sit down and look at this and talk about what I went through and how it can benefit you, so you don't go through it, or maybe you do, but you do it in a different way. And so that's, I mean, you know, what's your purpose professionally? It's that. Right. Wow. All right. You know what's when I hear you talk about that, and especially, you know, you talk about the level of servitude that you give others, right? And you. You, you're not chasing fame. You're not chasing wealth. You're not chasing, you, you know, all these love. You're chasing love. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that you're the manner and with with which you're going to experience it on the deepest level is by making other people better, yeah. showing them. Tell me why love means so much to you. So going back to the, the question about self-confidence, right? Mm -hmm. I think there was a period of my life, and I think, it, again, it's not an uncommon experience for people, where you question whether or not you're truly loved and what is love. You know, Is it some adolescent you know, emotion and feeling, or is it on the far end of the spectrum the ultimate love of, of willing to sacrifice you know, yourself for others? And, you know, as you and I both, you know, we understand what that is because mm -hmm. we've seen it firsthand. Um, for me, it's always been this trying to understand what love is. And more importantly, I think I've at some point, you know, fairly early on, I began to realize, OK, this is what I'm missing. This feels really good to, to care for people and to be cared for. Yes. But where the challenge I think comes is the expression of love. Oh, and the it's the outward. It's not the inward, the good, no, the feeling. No, no, there's two things. There's two components, two parts to it. Again, 
go back to you know what I've said consistently is the toughest thing for a human being to do is to be honest with himself. So if you're going to be truly honest with yourself, you have to allow yourself to to love yourself, right? And people yeah. have self-loathing and you know all these different you know psychological and mental and emotional states that they go through, right? So they're 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 not being honest with themselves. They're not allowing you know, hey man, you're doing good today. Maybe you had a rough day, but guess what? You're still doing good. You're alive. You're a good person. You're happy. You're smiling. You're making other people's lives good. So that's loving yourself. Why do people struggle so much with loving themselves? Why don't they don't, get it? I don't know, man. Because to be honest, I don't. Like, I mean, I you know, there's times I like I tell my wife all the time, "Hey, you're in control of being happy. You control your happiness. You know, and that's part of loving yourself is yes. allowing yourself to be happy, right?" right? Finding the slivers of joy that exist in life all Life is hard, things. bro. Yeah, life yeah. is hard. Yeah. So you can let it beat you down, or you can say, you know what, man, there's so much good out there. Yeah. And even in the tough experiences I'm learning and I'm gaining, that's loving yourself, is allowing yourself to, to, to take all of that in and receive that, right? But I, I think, so that's the first part, is love, allowing yourself to, to love yourself. But then it's, it's communicating love to other people. Oh, right. and, and like, especially as a male, I, I think, you know, it's again, I think it's something that males and females deal with in different ways. And but I think males really struggle with and especially kind of like, you know, the alpha male type guys, you know, like <laughs> the world you live in. bro. <laughs> it's 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 weakness to say, oh, I love you, bro. Right. Like perceived. Right. Perceived. And actually, one of the you know great lessons you know I mean I I don't know how long we've been friends now like six years something like that like I don't, I don't oh uh, fourteen you know Four, so yeah, yeah fourteen five six years yeah. so it's you were one of the first men who got me to say to a friend I I've always to felt that I loved my friends yeah you know my, my you guy feel it friends. like you can feel it right from but you, there was for never. Sure. There was never this communication of it. Yeah. And guess what? The the communication of it is part of what makes it real. Yeah, it is. It manifests it, right? It, yeah. it allows for acknowledgement from the other side. So, you know, that's the big struggle is, is allowing yourself to love yourself, but then communicating. Taking what's up here, mm -hmm. putting it and, through and here, in here, and then putting it out there. Yeah, right? that's the challenge, man. That really is the challenge. Do you struggle with, 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 being able to express like because obviously man everything nothing's easy no. <laughs> and and running a, a fight promotion business with as much competition as out there and the other challenges you face day in and day out and your kids and what you got and your living and all i mean it's a grind every day when when you are in those moments, right? And I had a, a beautiful friend, you know him, Jan. Remember Jan the Man Lennon? I'm sure. going to have him on. He, he's part of the the uh, the Last Supper Club, which we're going to get started here again. By the way, I love it. Yeah, man, I love it's it. coming. Um, he said to me the other day, he goes, David, and I was struggling. I was going through some tough stuff. I was dealing with, and and he goes, he goes, David, man, you know the one thing that my dad taught me, and he. Child of divorce, single kid, you know, by himself, and dad wasn't exactly the greatest dad, but had a lot of influence musically and some other things. You know, taught him how to play, and he's just this virtuoso. and And he used to say to me, he goes, you know, David, or he'd say, Jan, you know, when when you're in a bind and you're struggling and you're not sure what to do, just love more. It's not bad advice, man. <laughs> you know, like how are you gonna go wrong, right? 
Like, you think about all the, the, the bullshit that goes on in the world. So much of it comes from hate and anger, yeah. right? As opposed to love. Someone comes on and loves you. I mean, you may initially have like, whoa, whoa, easy with a love fest. But then you start to receive it and understand what it means. Like, there's not a problem that can't be solved with genuine love. Doesn't mean you're giving and you're, 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 you're crumbling to what the other side is saying, you know? It, but true love is having the hard discussions. Yeah. And, and being super honest, right? Like, I mean, that's it's just that truth. You know, those things, I think they're almost, it's not that they almost are. They are intertwined. Love and truth are, are, are almost one and the same in many respects. You know, with one, you can't have the other. Right. You know? Um, but, yeah, it's it's powerful stuff, man. It you is. Know, powerful stuff. Brother, I, I just think that is a, a great great way to finish this is to to talk about the greatest the greatest thing that we have in our lives is that ability to feel love right for yeah. ourselves and for others and then to express it and i gotta tell you your friendship has made has made me a better man in Same, so many ways Same, for sure and, and and Lex, I love you deeply, brother. Same I really man. do. Yeah, it's you get a lot of great white buffalo love here, brother. Always. A big, a big hug is for you after we're done. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah, man.